नमस्ते जी दिस इज होस्ट अंकित अडवाल आई हेल्प सक्सेसफुल फाउंडर्स एंड सीईओज बिल्ड ब्रांड्स विद द पावर ऑफ डिजाइन स्टे ट्यून बिकॉज व्हाट्स कमिंग नेक्स्ट कैन चेंज योर एंटायर लाइफ all my life i have only known people and how can i solve problems for them is what is what i aim for whether it is related to design business or life i'm there to help i always wanted to do the right thing no matter how much time it takes in doing so i met amazing people in my life today i'm so happy to start the second season of mountfort studio podcast my journey has brought me here where i'm about to introduce a gem from the design industry This amazing person has a very rich experience of 15 years in the design field. Solving complex problem with simplicity is where his idea becomes innovation. From innovation to design, from improving diner experience at a restaurant during school vacations to working at HPS BPO and then being to the investment team at Sitbiz Venture Capital Lamb. Not only this, he is the author of a book called Design: The Future. I welcome Shutin Chetty, design thinking expert, co-founder of Crystal Planet Labs, a Mumbai-based global innovation and design strat- strategy practice. Welcome, Shutin. Welcome on our show. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Akhil. And fifteen uh, years of rich experience is like oh, yes, that's great. Uh, I think it will take time for me to reach over there, but uh, yeah. Uh, truly it's a very good experience and uh, as i've said you are a gem from the design industry and i'm very honored to have you on our show uh thank you uh i probably wouldn't say 15 years in the sense uh you know so design has been an area of interest for me uh mm-hmm. you have a diverse work experience of about 15 years maybe a little more mm-hmm. um but i stumbled upon design thinking i think Uh, formally in 2015 okay uh, so so i would probably call myself uh you know dreamer who's trying to probably change the world uh by way of more meaningful products services and uh, interactions mm-hmm. so it need not just be uh you know business related but also you know with the people that we meet and interact with mm-hmm. uh, i believe all of those uh with a little bit of uh, design and behavior can help kind of create a better ecosystem so that's that's the the journey i'm on yeah mm-hmm. see how it goes yeah and i'm uh, i'm wishing you all the best for your future because there are more coming creative designing years to you and uh, let's start with a brief introduction so that our audience know uh, sure. what you have done till now because it's like going back to uh, behind 15 years and uh, there might yes. be so many things that you have done till now met so with amazing people in life till now so i'm uh, i'm very excited to know about you and how you started everything that you can tell me so sure. um i think if i look back on you know how i got here it's probably yeah, partly to do here yeah, thanks to the family thanks to uh, the kind of education that mm-hmm. uh, but also a lot i think because of chance and probably being open to uh, exploring those opportunities also about having 
some sort of uh, understanding of what my interests are so that you know when you when opportunities present themselves you know which one is probably a direction that lad value or uh, will you know is something that you will enjoy uh, so i think for that uh, knowing a little bit about myself has helped or, you know just a little bit of introspection has helped uh, in being able to choose better opportunities uh interestingly uh, a couple of years back uh you know one of these uh, one of the top 5 it companies in india uh, somebody from there got in touch saying you know they had like a senior role open in uh, their innovation uh, team so uh, some a meeting with the head of innovation there i walk in and he's you know sitting back in his chair going through my resume and first thing he tells me before even saying hi hello is you don't mind me saying this but uh, for lack of a better word uh, your experience looks a little weird you know uh, and i don't know i mean maybe you know people who have been uh, in maybe one industry or one kind of career may have found it a little insulting uh, i couldn't stop smiling you know because uh, i almost said thank you uh, i probably did actually uh but then interestingly about an hour later or maybe a little more where he put me through these different tests and exercises in terms of you know trying to gauge uh if i can handle you know these different kind of complex projects and all of that uh after that point he was on my side so in the sense he was telling me what the next round of interviews going to be like you know he came and bought lunch and all of that uh and I think after the next round, I went back to just meet him and tell him how the round went. And uh, you know, he was he was asking me, you know, like, uh, can you do this and can you do that, and how are your presentation skills and all of that, uh, or making powerpoints and you know, a bunch of other areas as well. And I said, that's pretty good. Uh, he's like, okay, that's good because you know, our team kind of struggles with some of those things, so maybe you can help with that. Um, I said it's actually the weird experience, you know, that the journey that has taught me all of these things. What I've mm-hmm. learned it because uh, you've chosen, you know, slightly off-road path, and there was no choice, there was no kind of support ecosystem, so you had to kind of figure out all of those things by yourself, mm-hmm. uh, which has kind of, you know, added those little uh, edges that mm-hmm. help with, you know, tackling different different situations. Yeah. Um, so I just. cover briefly my education i'm a computer engineer uh, then my mba in finance uh briefly studied a little bit about quality uh so i'm a you know certified quality improvement associate uh and uh i've studied design thinking you know through a project based course uh, offered by the darden school of business okay uh you know, like i said some of these things happen purely by chance uh i think i signed up for like a free course on coursera Uh, many years back that i didn't even pursue okay. uh, the the university probably had some tie up with them so they were probably collecting email ids or something so i got a email directly from uh, the institute saying you know mm-hmm. uh, since you have been a member of coursera we're offering you you know a small discount on this particular course and uh, i don't know why i mean i hadn't even heard of the term design thinking back then i signed up and then during the course i actually realized that it seemed to come naturally to me so that's when i i realized that 
And I was probably using uh, several aspects of design thinking, uh, you know, in my you know, day-to-day life, in my work and all of that, without really knowing explicitly that, you know, this isn't what it's called or this is what the process is or any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that also probably brought in the focus uh, some of the other areas where I had found uh, you know, myself kind of having a slightly counter view to the norm. So, for example, uh, uh, post-MBA, uh, I joined a venture capital firm and anybody on the investment team, you know, uh, you might assume to be slightly more finance inclined in terms of, you know, the numbers, the projections and all of that. Uh, but I was of the view that if you can align those businesses better with customers, mm-hmm. the numbers will kind of take care of themselves. You know, they'll happen automatically. Uh, and I felt somehow it was easier to do uh, the alignment than, uh, I'm not tweaking the numbers in terms of, uh, okay, you know, maybe we'll recruit more salespeople and then, you know, keep flogging them and, you know, hope for the sales to jump and somehow, you know, uh, some kind of tactics in terms of improving sales and then profitability and all of that didn't seem to make as much sense as uh, are we in the right business, you know, so for our portfolio companies, for example. Uh, I'll give you the example of, uh, so I'm talking 2007. Uh, yeah, don't mind me. I'll be drifting, you know, between no, a little totally bit about fine. my background and no, that's <clears throat> totally fine because uh, if something is like important to me, I'll be also dotting down the points so that I know, yeah, this is yeah, important. Yeah. So, for instance, I think uh, 2007. Uh, so, one of our existing portfolio companies was in the secure logistics space. Uh, it's a beautiful business back then, very relevant. So, these guys used to do secure, uh, you know. Uh, shipments of, let's say, your checkbooks, credit cards, debit cards, all of that. Um, and they had built like a, a reputable name for themselves. You know? So they used to cater to uh, one large bank in particular, but they also had like some smaller uh, accounts with other banks. Uh, back then, airline tickets also used to be printed and sent out. Mm-hmm. So, so they were uh, involved with that as well. So the printing... Uh, you know, putting it like automating, putting it into like a sealed uh, uh, cover and then shipping it out to whoever the recipient is. Uh, before the financial meltdown, they went on this huge expansion drive. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting them probably before that or right after the meltdown. Uh, we were a little concerned about, uh, you know, their the clientele, so to speak. Uh, so, of course, the numbers were good. Uh, till the meltdown, they were growing very well. They were profitable. But again, if you deep, uh, dig deeper into uh, you know, how that business is coming, uh, a big chunk of it was happening through <clears throat> checkbooks, mm-hmm. uh, a smaller chunk through credit cards, all of that. And then airline tickets was another account for them. Uh, and I think it was around the time where there was this discussion around discontinuing printed airline tickets right so i'm not sure if it was then but it was uh, like a possibility okay and for some reason uh, i've also been a little interested in this whole uh, you know green efforts like at a personal level so personally also you know i'll try and minimize the number of printouts i took and all of that so it seemed a little logical that 
uh, at some point maybe these airline tickets you know there's a better way of uh, producing them at the counter uh, you don't need like this big booklet uh, to be printed um so so i actually suggested to them i think back then there was just one or two small uh, efforts in the ecom space i think uh, uh, flipkart was just about starting up uh, but there were one or two other players one had i think shut down slightly before that uh, there was the first mover uh, if i remember right i think rediff was doing something on the ecom you know the shopping Mm-hmm. bit and you know so that was a suggestion that it seemed like a lo- obvious choice that why do you guys move into this uh, space it looks like it's here to stay as opposed to i don't know maybe we'll have checkbooks tomorrow maybe we won't maybe you know cards and all of that and sort things out make it simpler uh but i don't know i mean from a company point of view again i guess it's not that easy for them to you know suddenly switch gears uh and of course unfortunately they went on this huge expansion right before the meltdown so after meltdown they found themselves you know hugely uh, cash crunched and, uh, and then for the next few years you know it was pretty tough we we did a follow on you know small investment from whatever fund we had left uh, but uh, i think eventually they had to shut shop uh, you know so um, so again going back to uh from purely a business point of view from purely numbers uh just before the meltdown it looked perfect you know the numbers were uh, trending upwards and profitability and all of that but uh you know like i said uh if you look at it from is this making sense to the customer uh is this aligned with the right set of customers and uh does that kind of assure of a better uh, growth or a more solid foundation on which to grow uh that seemed shaky in this particular case mm-hmm. uh so so all of those kind of linked in the sense so so i'm not your pure vc who go purely by the numbers uh and i think these little experiences kind of also uh open up that side where you are exploring things like uh behavior you know customer delight all of those things uh so back in school i used to take a few vacations uh this relative restaurant so i'd be going there you know spending the uh, mostly evenings uh and mostly just observing you know so you'd be standing in one corner uh ab- observing the small details about how you know a customer walks in uh, how does the waiter kind of approach and then maybe after the customer leaves you know i probably would all the waiter aside you know just give him a suggestion or two uh, so see little things that you start observing and then after point you know all of those things tend to build up around uh, like a product concept so for example uh, you probably see this a lot at restaurants even now where uh, a waiter might cross you to fill your glass of water or something of that sort which uh, generally is not something that you would want you know like suddenly one hand pops in from uh you know so things are like that so, so these little things about so so what comes into that is everything from maybe the layout of the table uh where a waiter should ideally approach from and so on and so forth and um, yeah so when coming back to my journey uh after that so after the the school you know stints with the restaurant uh after engineering i worked briefly with uh 
you know, Hewlett Packard's BPO in Bangalore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think back then, you know, that was like a uh, like a default first option for a lot of people. So in fact, there were like a ton of people from my batch itself uh, who joined with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was just there for a couple of months, but it was more like an extension of college, you know. So you you got to hang out with the same friends for like yeah. a small while after college was done. But uh, but it also taught me a lot about uh, the people side of things. So of course you're fixing like a, a a technical flaw, you know, helping them through let's say a software uh, issue with uh, you know mm-hmm. their device, but uh, more than that, it was um, the people aspect of it. You know? So everything from handling angry customers, mm-hmm. uh, impatient customers. Uh, if uh, somebody else, they were already angry and somebody, uh, one of your colleagues messed up with them and then they call back and the call comes <laughs> to you. you know, how do you deal with that? Uh, and uh, of course, initially wasn't very enjoyable, especially you know, given the whole... Uh, mm-hmm. Everything, you know, like Bangalore is freezing. Uh, you know, me from Bombay, it was like a very different kind of weather to get used to. We were doing, you know, graveyard shifts, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, getting back home at like four or five in the morning. And then like you lose sense of day and night and which day of the week it is, all of that. But I think it taught me a lot about uh, managing those interactions, which have kind of uh, helped uh, later on, you know, where let's say I was working with uh, a technology company, uh, you know, heading their Western India operations out of Pune. Uh, so there, uh, so these guys into manufacturing, uh, they're in the industrial robotic space, uh, they're in the ERP solutions. And I was uh, in charge of setting up uh, that office in Pune. So everything from recruiting a team there to kind of creating a presence, uh, we didn't have too big a team and we were competing with uh, brands in robotics which were uh, far ahead of us and who had like 20 member teams in Pune itself. Uh, and I was uh, you know, single-handedly handling the, the robotics function for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally, I'd get you know one engineer sent from headquarters or something. But... Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, but everything from you know building trust with those customers, you know, trying to figure out how uh, you can kind of make some headway, uh, not for, given the obvious, you know. So the obvious would be, uh, which is what I initially did, you know, where uh, I first, you know, I bought these uh, industry directories and I was cold calling people, fixing up meetings with plant heads or general managers, you know, uh, CEOs and all of that. But uh, and then I asked headquarters if they had a presentation on uh, you know, about the robotics and all of that, and they said they didn't. And you know, just being an MBA, I thought that was like the default thing to do. So I created a presentation. I used to take it, uh, ask these people for like five minutes of the time, and you know, present mm-hmm. it to them. And most of the time, you know, they'd have this bored look in their face. And uh, once I was just casually chatting with this one industry colleague of mine, and he mentioned that. Uh, he's like, uh, don't don't uh, sell robots to me. No? So he's like, we've got about three crore worth of robots sitting idle for the last two years in our plant because our workers won't let us install it on the production. Okay. So that's when it struck me that, yeah, I mean, so that is like a huge challenge, you know, because these people, it's their livelihood. And even though uh, the intention of 
us offering automation was not to uh, remove people, but it was more to do with uh, there are some very high risk uh, areas in production where you don't want a worker, you know, manually handling something where there's a press or something, you know, your hands could get crushed. Or... So, so then what I did was um, I collected all the videos. We had uh, recordings of robot installations that we had done in other parts of the country, mm-hmm. uh, including some from a Japanese partner. And when I'd go to these companies, uh, you know, you just gather up uh, the, the plant workers, you know, the plant head and all of that. And you show them some of these videos. You know? So then they, uh, they started warming up to this idea of automation. They realized that some of these uh, areas, which probably they didn't uh, realize before that it was that higher risk in terms of, you know, uh, injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, maybe only this function can be automated. So then we can still continue with our jobs. And... Okay. So, so, yeah, I mean, drifting along the way. Yeah, it's been uh, a slightly more people-focused uh, mm-hmm. approach. And, and I think uh, we, uh, it's, it's, it's according to my experience, few people chose design as their profession, but uh, for some, creative aid is always there. Uh, it can be defined in different terms and we don't choose design design chooses so i think all those all those life until all those entire time that you have been working and after that uh, after your college days you go you have gone to bangalore and it's like uh, we are like at that time we are uh, more focused with the friends what you where are you going and what you are doing i'll also follow you but uh, after some time, we realized that, uh, yeah, friends will be there, always there with us. But we have to take certain decisions. And then you you have joined the Venture Capital Center. Uh, in my life, I have already, I have read about Sidbay in my books. I haven't met anyone who is from the Sidbay. So you are the first one. And uh, yeah, and uh, the experience that you are having and working with the airline industry Thinking about you know the dining experience where from where the waiter will be coming to you know the airline tickets uh, reducing the cost of uh, the printing tickets so I think all those things your managerial skills and everything is becoming handy now after so many years absolutely and that's why you are uh, your ideas is becoming innovations so hats off to you for uh, you know doing so many things over here so thank you so let's long way to go. Yeah, long way to go. And I think uh, you'll be solving more problems. Like the owner was saying, don't don't sell me the robots. Currently, this is the one thing that people do that sell. If they are, if they keep this word sell aside and they start trying to help people, automatically sales will oh, yeah. become, sales will generate. You don't need to sell anything. Okay. So this is what I believe. And uh, this is what my experience Absolutely. is saying. So uh, let's, Coming, uh, let's come back to the topic of the design thinking. Like, uh, how design thinking can be implemented? And uh, if I'm a newbie, what is design thinking? Okay, if I'm from okay. the industry, which I have no idea what is design thinking, how will you define from your experience? Sure. Um, so, just to give you a little back. Uh, story to that. So what I do uh, presently, you know, with Crystal Plant Labs, which is, you know, just a, a recent practice that has evolved from my consulting practice uh, started in 2012. Okay. Uh, so in 2012, I was offering 
uh, strategy consulting and then along the way I stumbled upon design thinking so that's kind of evolved now and uh, earlier again I was working with younger companies across the world uh, right now we are hoping to work more with larger companies and then uh, probably I mean uh, what I would love to do is going forward uh, cater to challenging problems at larger companies mm-hmm. and perhaps over the weekend you know have one day uh, to work purely with startups and then one day maybe uh, purely for social causes uh, but right now uh, we felt uh, one is you know from uh, an adequate challenge point of view and also from uh, you know a revenue point of view uh, we felt it was more appropriate to cater to larger companies mm-hmm. uh, coming to uh, what design thinking is so i did have an understanding of it uh, but i think uh, it got refined uh, around the time i was researching for my book mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of us are popular uh, familiar with the the stanford five step uh, design thinking process uh, so in 2007 when i was speaking to uh, you know senior people in industry uh, a lot of them were trying to implement design thinking or offer it to their customers uh, i realized that a lot of them did not understand what design thinking was you know so probably thought it was more like a template that you could just apply uh, to a process and you know things would just kind of happen by itself uh, and in some cases it felt a little wrong because uh, you're selling this and uh, to a client uh, saying you know you're selling either a workshop or whatever around design thinking mm-hmm. uh, but then you don't understand it well yourself uh and it's just that some of these companies were fairly big you know so a client probably wouldn't question them on uh you know how uh, genuine or not or how strong their understanding of design thinking is uh and that's the reason i also wrote the book and then during that process i kind of understood what design thinking was better uh so for me uh there are three foundations which kind of extend from uh the beginning to the end of let's say a design thinking project right uh if i were to condense design thinking into one simple line it would be that uh do you care enough about someone's challenge to do something about it uh that is design thinking for me as a definition so that someone could be yourself it could be your company it could be your uh, building you know apartment it could be your society or anything uh do you care uh, enough about someone's challenge to do something about it so then what can we do uh so my process is a nine step process where uh, the three basic steps would starts with humility mm-hmm. uh humility for me is where uh, we put ourselves in the back seat uh and you try and focus on uh, somebody else who is facing a challenge so the second step is empathy mm-hmm. empathy is where you focus uh, you know the light on somebody else and their problem you try and understand that you try and experience it uh, so that you can uh, then use that with some ideation tools to find a solution for them uh, the third step is intent um, the reason i put these steps is uh, think of it as you know you are uh, let's say the uh you head a company right so uh as a leader uh if you have humility and empathy uh 
uh, whether or not you want to bring about let's say a change in employee culture or you want to uh, align better with a different set of customers uh, if you have humility and empathy you'll be capturing all of the relevant data about your employees about your customers all of that and then whenever you do have an intent you have all the resources to kind of then apply it right mm-hmm. uh, but if that's not the case if you just think that uh, your view is the final view then you're mostly oblivious to what's happening with your customers or your employees uh, so then even if there is an intent uh, it's a very short term uh, knee jerk kind of reaction where you'd be like okay you know send them on an outbound or will you give these gifts for the value or something and you expect like a huge drastic change to happen which normally doesn't so uh, so so first we need humility empathy uh, intent mm-hmm. uh, then you define the challenge okay uh, empathize with intent so that's where you interact with people uh, you know what you think is the challenge but once you interact with them uh, oftentimes what happens is the challenge may be something very different it might be much deeper uh, very different from what you thought it was or looked like at the surface so then you redefine the challenge uh, then you use some ideation tools which are you know from which point of view i mean i'm sure all of us have used you know things like brainstorming or mm-hmm. uh, using uh, words to kind of nudge you in a particular direction you mix up mix and match different words to generate ideas which you may not have thought of otherwise mm-hmm. uh prototype and test okay uh so my work lies at the intersection of three things uh, the creative which is you know design thinking empathy uh, ideation all of that But the behavioral which uh, has been an uh, has been a growing area of interest to me actually because i think going forward you know if, let's say you have automation coming in ai robots and all of that mm-hmm. the one place that we can stay relevant is in our understanding of uh, people people by people i mean also you know the ecosystem of you know, plants animals all of that but uh, uh so the behavioral includes everything uh, from interaction with customers it includes biases uh, so when i am interacting with customers i'm trying to be highly aware of how i'm framing my questions uh in how i'm actually interacting with them uh all of that because i believe that also kind of nudges them to either you know trust or not trust to either be on guard or not and so on mm-hmm. uh and unfortunately if they are on guard then i do not get the the information that i would need to then solve that challenge for them uh so i need them to be you know in a in a trusting and calm state so the behavioral and then the strategic of course you know so uh, so ideation tools can lead you in all kinds of crazy directions in terms of possibilities but all of them are not uh, business worthy in terms of you know being profitable or implementable and all that uh, so given you know i know maybe the engineering background or the mba but that tends to come in also in terms of making sure that the directions we're heading in mm-hmm. uh, do have some potential for creating an implementable solution for our clients okay so uh, this is the definition and how it's a very good example that you're giving about the design thinking that it is more relating to what problems we can solve for someone let's suppose i am a corporate client 
uh, as you said that you are dealing with the startups as well as with the you know big clients for the revenue and other things uh, so how how you will implement design thinking let's, let's give a scenario on this uh, how you will start the process because these are the steps that you mentioned uh, i'm a layman and i don't know anything about it because i might be knowing but uh, this is one thing that even if i know something i will like to keep myself quiet and then let others talk about it so that i can also judge them so my question is like how big corporations or startup will implement design thinking in their process and mm-hmm. um see i think we tend to get obsessed with the process so i i yeah. the reason i uh, created the process was uh, mm-hmm. to convey the understanding or my understanding of design thinking mm-hmm. but otherwise like i said you know uh, we care enough about somebody's challenge to do something about it okay uh, simply put so so most likely all of us are design thinkers by default we've solved challenges for people mm-hmm. uh, without really realizing so let me give you, uh, you know, a couple of instances so one was with a startup so this is uh, right about the time i started uh, my consulting uh, thing oh. back in 2012 okay uh, i was roped in by this uh, global incubator and you know a bunch of uh, investors who were looking to invest in a bunch of startups mm-hmm. uh, of course back then they didn't mention this to me but apparently the plan was to uh, i don't know just scale a bunch of them fast build a reputation start a vc fund and all of that mm-hmm. i would have told them that it's not as easy as that but mm-hmm. uh, so one of the investments that they were exploring was a, a mobile uh, payments product okay uh it's not very glamorous but uh, back in the day so these guys uh the founder was so i briefly uh, did some work for them uh, through this uh, incubator the founder was uh, fixated upon these certain customer groups in the uh, we catered these hotels and you know the premium restaurants and all of that a uh, simple exercise i did was uh, created these different scenarios uh, for those customer groups and uh, looked at it from how does this product fit into this in terms of the customer using it or experiencing this particular product and for some reason for a premium clientele which is all they were looking at mm-hmm. uh, this did not uh, exude a kind of confidence uh, because it seemed a little tacky back in the day uh, but uh, there were other applications where it seemed to be the perfect solution uh, which would have been something like uh, a kirana or somebody where mm-hmm. a lot of times when they send stuff home uh, you don't have change they don't have change all of that confusion Uh, and then you know you keep a balance and then lose track of that and stuff so from that point of view it seemed a little relevant in terms of uh, how they could probably make a, a secure card payment okay uh, and something that customers would slightly uh, be a bit more comfortable with given that it's a smaller value item since it's closer to home since it's known parties mm-hmm. as opposed to premium places where uh, you just go once in a way a high value uh, ticket so uh, in terms of your consumptions you're spending more and there's a higher risk of you know in case of a fraud that you lose much more so uh, thankfully the founder probably saw some reason so 
so they uh, changed to this model where they were focusing more on you know things like uh, home deliveries and all of that and few years down the line they got acquired by uh, you know chain in that particular space okay uh, you know it, it seemed like a natural acquisition for them i guess so turned out well for them mm-hmm. uh, let's look at a large company uh, uh rusimo they used to be the uh, chairman and managing director of tata steel you know back in the day okay uh, so there's this story i don't know if you heard about it online but apparently once he was doing the rounds of the plant and they were crossing this workers toilet which was extremely dirty and you know it was like stinking outside and he called his top executive and he's like uh we need to do something about this you know by when can we have this clean and uh presentable you know in a sense so the work uh, the top executive was like uh take about 30 days you know mm-hmm. so rusimo is like can't it be done in one day and the top exec was pretty puzzled you know how uh, so he called for a carpenter he just interchanged the boards between the workers toilet and the executive toilet okay and that's it within like two or three days you know uh, the workers toilet was clean <laughs> and then he instructed that every 15 days the boards were to be replaced okay right So that shows, you know, that uh, ideas can come from anywhere. It's mm-hmm. more about the intent. You know, do we want to uh, do something about, and how do we want to do it? We can do it, you know, the the management way, which is like the roundabout and no guarantees of if and when it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Or uh, we just do something that's actually effective for those customer groups. Mm-hmm. And he also built in a safety measure in terms of uh, once it's interchanged every fifteen days, there's no. chance for either of them to become dirty for too long or stay there mm-hmm. yeah so uh, as you mentioned uh, about the tata seal right now i can uh, remember one example uh, i was l- watching one episode of uh, indra nuri ma'am uh, chairperson okay. of chairperson ceo of pepsico former and uh, she was looking for a solution where their packaging was uh, moving ahead because everything was changing and she felt like they should there something should be done uh why uh, consumers are not buying their product and why they are lacking behind and they were so she went to some seminar and really i don't remember the full situation but uh, there's some uh insights that i remember from that so what she did was she came back from that it was a design um seminar or something and at that time she was mentioned about the design thinking so what she did was she told her member team members that you go to all the design institutes you know the seminars or uh, events and then come back come back why we are lacking uh, so after you know coming back the team members for them they were like okay it's like just the design why should we care but after implementing all those you know strategies uh, events uh, taking the team members to events working on the design the design thinking parts uh, the packaging got changed and then uh, what we are you know seeing today is that result so you know like you mentioned about the tata steel and right now when you were talking about thinking about indra nuri ma'am so yeah she was also talking about design thinking earlier for them yeah, she is a huge believer 
yeah she's a huge believer in uh, you know design how how impact how can design impact everyone's lives right yeah uh, so coming next like uh, coming to the next question like uh, at what stage we can implement and what kind of team do we need for corporations like this if you want to implement design thinking because i also remember that she was saying uh, we need someone uh, at pepsi who can implement all the design uh, creativity design thinking you know handle all the challenges that they are having so that they can move ahead so what would you say on this okay uh, i i read this quote recently i think it would apply uh, where yeah this is forward again on facebook or something where it's like uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the second mm-hmm. best time is now right okay uh, so i think uh, whenever whenever you realize whenever you decide is the best time to uh, you know start implementing design thinking uh, uh, i've been rereading uh, zero to one by peter thiel Okay. and in that he says something like uh, uh every startup i don't remember the exact words but he's like uh each startup kind of begins in a very unique set of circumstances mm-hmm. and it only starts up once you know so like each startup has like a unique defined starting point uh so i believe uh, the best time to start is maybe before you start up itself so for example uh again you know unconsciously i ended up doing this uh in 2012 when i was starting my consulting practice mm-hmm. that before i started uh i went around meeting a lot of my uh ex colleagues ex industry contacts all of that uh, from the vc space uh also some of my professors i was going to a bunch of startup meets interacted with young founders and all of that uh trying to get a sense of uh if i am to get into this consulting space what do i offer as services because we know that all these services are available mm-hmm. uh i knew that you know there are some that i can offer uh which would be more relevant than others which i can probably deliver better than others and all of that but uh but i also wanted to know from them as to you know what might be relevant services and they did give me you know like a broad list of you know, good this and that all of that and i condensed that but it was still a huge list you know it's about 6 to 8 services that i was offering mm-hmm. and uh funny thing is none of them mentioned uh, uh elevator pitch or uh you know business plan for fundraising and all of that but then uh once i started uh for some reason you know companies and uh, entrepreneurs would get in touch with me given my vc background so they like can you prepare you know pitch for we trying to raise funds or you know trying to grow it. and uh, that's what, so it didn't strike me till then that oh yeah this background you know might make for a relevant service mm-hmm. uh so for the next few years that was like the bread and butter of uh my consulting practice where uh you know i would be working with them in terms of creating either a growth plan or uh you know business plan or elevator pitch for fundraising uh last few years uh i've discontinued that like a bunch of years back but uh in the last few years you know a lot of services have popped up where they 
they they do a business plan or an elevator pitch for as low as twenty thousand or something. Uh, so of course my fees used to be like many many times of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there was a reason for that. That uh, I wasn't just creating a pitch for them or you know fitting it into a particular standard template or anything. Uh, I would spend about a month with each of these businesses, uh, go through their entire business model in detail. In some cases, you know, shred it up, help them rebuild it. So everything from uh, refocusing of customer segments, mm-hmm. as in better aligning them with what the business uh, intended to do. uh pricing every work every work bundling of services so in the sense you know features for different services uh so you create different categories of you know who do you want to offer this package to on this package to mm-hmm. so we worked all of that for them uh you know the projections uh sometimes the organization structure also mm-hmm. so in the sense uh so for them I don't know, at least the benefit that you, they used to find, you know, some of them used to also come back for other work later, is that uh, they get a better understanding of uh, their business in terms of you know where the alignment is, the purpose, and all of that. Um, so I think that was the core addition, rather than you know just preparing a pitch or filling a particular template. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, like you just mentioned yeah. that you were preparing the pitch. uh there might be other companies who will be doing work for even 5000 or 20000 because for them it's like just a sales pitch but who are people in this want want to scale who are very serious about you know making a change in the industry and uh, providing value to the people uh, they are very serious about this thing it's not a sales pitch uh, i don't know i mean yeah that's true but for me it's it's more like uh I, I i say this a bunch of times um, see when you create a company it's it's kind of like creating an entity mm. it's almost like creating a baby so in the sense it's yeah. not just about a bunch of people hanging out together in that case you know you just probably hang around catch up for coffee or beer or something mm-hmm. here uh, the fact that people come together to create uh, a company is for a much larger purpose you know so for me then um Uh, that company fulfilling that purpose becomes like the core uh, objective whether or not sometimes even uh, the founders may or may not realize so sometimes what happens is they look at it more as a vehicle to you know uh, let's say fulfill their lifestyle over the mm-hmm. short to medium term or something yeah uh, so in that, those cases of course there you know there is some uh, misalignment but otherwise uh, a lot of times i mean uh, the promoter is of course you know uh, Uh, has a long term vision mm-hmm. but you she uh, may or may not remember it in their day to day you know routines and you're familiar with it right yeah. once you start a company there's so many random things that pop up every day and i've seen this happen a lot you know so people then get sidetracked into just fighting these daily fires uh, with the teams with following up with clients so payments and all these little things mm-hmm. and then they forget like the larger picture that uh they were out there to build uh so sometimes these are just exercises where i try to help them in terms of of defining or clearing the view on that and then figuring out how they can get there um <laughs> uh, so in terms of implementation you know like you asked uh so the best time is uh early on uh, mm-hmm. as a company grows 
uh, you know there are these little complexities that kind of get involved and then over time you know, those complexities become huge you know mm-hmm. like you've seen yeah large companies if you've got friends there they complain about the long process you know for you know, the small changes yeah so in fact a couple of years back uh, one of the large banks in india was trying to implement a culture of design thinking or uh, creativity across the board mm-hmm. so a huge project and i was trying to kind of you know get in through the door uh, so there was this uh, uh, person who connected me to somebody there and i was trying to like follow up with them as i sent a little presentation and all of that but i think they had already uh, finalized on you know one of the popular uh, you know the top design firms in the world by then okay unfortunately uh, the execution right uh, i i don't know i mean i i'm no one to question them but uh, it didn't seem to work in that later on when i checked that entire initiative had fizzled out so somehow they had chosen an execution plan where uh, you know uh, people from that design firm came here trained a selected top set of executives who were then expected to uh, trickle down that learning through the organization mm-hmm. which uh, i don't think would work out because uh, again i mean at least my limited approach would have been that each set of uh, you know the hierarchy in a company mm-hmm. each one has its own set of incentives its own set of drivers its own set of concerns and fears and all of that and you would have to tailor uh, you know training specifically for each so of course a bulk of it would still remain the same you can't change concepts uh, mm-hmm. for this but uh, again coming to the people aspect of things that you need to speak to each uh, employee group in a particular way in a manner that they understand uh, at their level you know? so something just flowing from the top is not going to uh, water the entire uh, organization so to speak with mm-hmm. okay so unfortunately i didn't think that particular project worked out okay because i was uh, uh, you know you know small setup back then but i still would have loved to tackle something of that sort yeah sure because i think uh, whatever you are starting you should start with a very good base uh, right now you were giving the example uh, if you want to do if you want to start start right now otherwise it has it was uh, back uh, if you want to plant a tree it, the correct time was like 20 years back and now it's the time so i think all the founders and ceos and organization people who are look, uh, listening or watching to this episode of us i think they should start implement right now it will be, bring a lot of value to it and when we Uh, you know start uh, talking about the startups whenever we start a company we always we should always look at a bigger picture it's not about the numbers and the sales and uh, you know just client coming in get the work and it's done it's not like this because when i started i was let's take a small i will give you an example of mine only i was posting like game of thrones on my social media official pages at the time and uh, one of my you know seniors for that he was teaching me digital marketing at that time and uh, he said that don't post anything like this only because uh, it was a picture like this above there was a uh, the white walkers and below it was the company's description 
and i started laughing after you know hearing him that don't post anything like this you will get the numbers and followers and everything but now you are not alone so you can't take any you know uh, foolish decisions it's a very small thing i can just delete it but i don't know who are the people yeah who are the people who have seen it and they, they were thinking like uh, what kind of work they will be doing they are posting game of thrones just for the sake of getting likes and followers so i i don't consider this a, as a good practice for everyone so like amazing yeah. advice yes yeah yeah because uh, and after that i also checked idea vodafone pages and they what were they what they were doing i started following big companies and even if you go to the pages and see the work what they have posted even if then they haven't posted for one year you will only see work pure work what they are doing and what they are offering that's it game of thrones you know all the memes can be shared via friends on whatsapp and other platforms but don't do it on your social media pages all right yeah and similarly uh, coming back to your design thinking i think if someone has heard about design thinking and what kind of value and problems it can solve start implementing right now this is the correct time even if someone is having a budget constraint or anything like this uh you can talk to the advisory firm you can talk to the firm who is handling like absolutely you are the one just tell them this is the budget because according to my experience budget can be you know done in the phases everything can right. be done divided into phases, phases and then uh, from the beginning when you will start implementing it and after one year two years or three years you will start noticing what kind of results i'm getting from it so i think people and the founders should start implementing right now as you said and coming back to my not coming back so i'm talking about the value and other things uh, so i know what kind of value i'm providing to the companies and uh, what they are getting so if someone is uh, has uh, implemented the uh, design thinking and what he can or she can expect after one or two okay. years what kind of value they will be bringing uh, design thinking will be bringing to it okay yeah. um i think before this you did you mention uh, team or something i think you had mentioned sorry i multiple questions that tend to get a little lost but yeah, it's okay. uh, yeah but i've uh, you know just uh, quickly to mention the team bit so i have worked independently on projects i have worked with teams mm-hmm. uh you know both my external team i have worked with client teams okay uh yeah if 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 everyone's on board with the objective of this uh you know it can be implemented again uh, you know so i wrote the book uh so as to simplify it you know, so so the future yeah yeah and and i've also made like uh, a pdf of the 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 nine step process you know kind of explaining it that's available on my website for free you know so okay so yeah so theoretically anyone can do it for free and like i mentioned you know it takes small efforts you know you don't have to learn design thinking to do it mm-hmm. uh, you have the intent uh, ideas come to everybody it can be solved uh, come to values i think uh, the long term value of design thinking is actually tough to measure because it's it's huge mm-hmm. right and it i think it kind of trickles into aspects which uh you can't really put like a formula to figuring out 
So, for example, uh, it's my belief that uh, design thinking helps create more human leaders. Okay. Uh, it helps create more human companies, and as a result, hopefully, you know, more human societies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, let's say uh, a couple of stories. I think from I mentioned them on my blog. Uh, this is something that I found out like about two three years back. <clears throat> uh, back in the day, JRD Tata used to. Uh, I think so. He had this Mercedes car, and uh, there is this area in Bombay where. Uh, one of our uh, family friends they used to live, mm-hmm. and um, this friend of mine, his son back then used to go to school. And on the way back, the bus used to drop them at the bottom of the slope, and then it's like this huge climb up. And he was a little, you know, heavy kid. Okay, uh, so he'd be like, you know, huffy and puffing up that slope, and every once in a way, this uh, Mercedes car would stop. And uh, you know the gentleman sitting in the back would ask uh, this boy to get in. So he would sit in front with the driver, and then uh, you know the car would drop that kid to the house, like my friend's house, and then go. So um, this happened for quite some time. And then, like on random days, right? Whenever that car would be passing, my friend's son was walking around. And so one day, I think at dinner time. Um, This kid, for some reason, just mentioned that this old uh, gentleman. You know, I get a drop sometimes home, so I don't need to walk this thing. You know, I get a drop in this Mercedes car and all that. And I think the grandmother described, you know, the gentleman is like, like, oh my God, you've been dropped by JRD Tata. You know, so imagine that. Uh, you know that uh, somebody who's heading such a huge uh, group of companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, is not just you know driving around in his mercedes but he somebody me spots who i don't know just these little differences right so imagine how that changes this person's perception about what a leader should be mm-hmm. right so it's not just about the profit making it's not just a very detached company that's doing stuff it's about a leader who's there and you know just would go out of his way or her way to help somebody Uh, you know, with these little gestures, right? It doesn't really cost them anything. Or, um, <clears throat> so, a couple of years back, this friend's son he posted it on Facebook. Okay. And a bunch of people from that area also mentioned similar experiences, uh, which means probably I don't know. Every time he was either heading back home or wherever, probably just you know somebody whom he sees who's struggling up a slope or something, he'd be like, well, "Let me just drop you till the end of the." To the top of the hill or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right, so, little experiences of that, and then uh, look how that kind of translates to you know the bit I mentioned that it's tough to actually gauge the value or the, uh, mm. the far-flung effects of uh, this kind of a mentality or an attitude. Uh, <clears throat> again, a couple of years back, I was uh, at uh, Indian hotels, you know, the Taj Group. Okay, so I was meeting one of the global leaders there. Uh, To you know, pitch uh, one of you know our consulting offerings to them. And uh, while I was waiting for him in the reception area, uh, behind uh, the lady at the reception, there were these pillars. You know, a, a few pillars 
around her and each one had like a name and a date on it and then there's the last pillar which just had the name lucy on it okay so i kind of guess what that would be but then i still confirmed with uh, you know the lady of the reception i was like uh, are these in memory of your staff who got uh, so she's like yes you know so each name is for one of the staff who got killed in the uh, in the mumbai attacks right okay uh you've probably watched videos and you've mm-hmm. heard about the bravery of yeah. the tad staff right so each one of those pillars and then i was like what about the last one which just has a name there lucy so that was apparently um, a stray dog which used to live right outside the hotel oh. that they used to feed and you know they had grown attached to and who unfortunately also got killed in that shooting mm-hmm. so so this is imagine uh, the taj group of hotels their headquarters mm-hmm. uh having a pillar in memory of a stray dog uh that got killed outside of their hotel you know so um you there is no monetary value to such uh, creating this kind of a culture or implementing this kind of a culture or something that sort so this has to flow from the founders it has to flow from each higher that you make each customer that you choose of course you know the customer chooses you but you also need to choose your customers in terms of are these the right people to do business with or not so uh so so in fact i also told uh, this gentleman that i met there this global head uh, the story about you know jrd tata driving and he he was happy but he wasn't surprised imagine that i mean anybody else and the first time i heard it i was shocked like mm-hmm. wow how did that happen but he was not surprised so to speak he wasn't shocked so it was almost like you know yes that's part of our culture that's who we are and to have thousands upon thousands of employees kind of uh, believe in that uh, culture mm-hmm. i think comes from humility comes from empathy comes from intent for the people that we serve yeah yeah i think that's great so uh, i think those are the values <laughs> yeah I, i it's like uh, the example of jr mr jr tata uh, is taking me back to there was a news where mr ratan tata visited uh, his employees former employee in pune during yeah do it during the covid times and i think uh, these small things uh, might be not the small things Uh, at this kind of situation it's like you need to know what kind of right words you're choosing because it's hard to describe the feeling okay absolutely yeah so these are the things which make great leaders and uh, tell people about that that you you should be generous uh, to others you should be helping to others yeah and right now i'm uh, having so many memories right now what are what are the things <laughs> yeah Hmm. So okay. Now uh, I think we uh, yeah I'm still in that mem- uh, right the memories right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, coming back to the design, I, I think it's always like coming back to the design. We always go with the flow. And uh, in my previous uh, you know season also to whom ever I have talked, and uh, we, we skip the topic. and then we were moving back to the memories it's like more of a communication uh, yeah we all are com- uh, connected to, through design 
and uh, i think this is the best thing that we can do you know talking to each other uh, being a part of the community and then sharing all our experiences so uh, talking about this experiences like uh, i i'm i'm pretty sure that you might be facing design challenges every day or what is your day to day life like is like what kind of design challenges you face <laughs> um uh, not so much face but uh, i think i've become more attuned to observing uh, hmm. design you know so a design could be to do with either a product itself a feature uh, maybe the placement of the product or also to do with business models how people perceive those models all of that um uh, i'll just mention a few actually i mean yes one uh, yeah i couldn't happen to uh, zomato keeps coming to mind uh, <laughs> back in 2008 when i was working in the venture capital space i was uh, supremely keen on starting a food ordering service right mm-hmm. and uh, of course back then i think only one or maximum two companies existed in that space uh, okay. fairly small and uh, you know limited in terms of uh, region but um, yeah but i was like very keen uh, more from a personal need point of view that you know i, I saw of it as uh, a convenience which seemed to make more sense uh, you know as you got busier with life that you didn't have to either go and pick up food or go to a restaurant and all of that and then whenever you wanted you just order stuff of course we didn't have the uh, the technology or the web at all the ecosystem to kind of support it back then so so first thing i did you know of course you know being in the vc space was i opened up uh, an excel spreadsheet and i started uh, creating you know what the model might look like and uh, so i had like two or three different versions of this one was where uh, the restaurant would deliver home mm-hmm. the second one was where i would create the uh, the delivery uh, as a service so we, there were no mobile apps back then so it would have had to be a website where people would be ordering uh, i even considered the option of having a call center because transition would not be easy right i mean uh, back then people were not really used to you know picking up food options online or paying for it or whatever so in some cases so i factored in like a few people in terms of support so if people needed either to give the order on a call uh, so that was also one uh, variant model which was factored in did the math and it did not make sense uh, in terms of the numbers were just not getting there and this is without factoring any venture capital investments right okay uh, and I've, i've even blogged about this at some point maybe around 2011 12 uh, you know sometime after i started blogging i i wrote down uh, you know thoughts from all my notes from 2008 i may have i'm not sure if i shared that spreadsheet as well i'm not sure if it's still online all of that but uh, i had mentioned concerns and along the way i also posted once or twice more uh as you know i used an experienced zomato and uh tiny owl and all of the others before that uh that some of those concerns still remained for a long period of time so these companies were still kind of burning huge amounts of vc money to try and figure out 
problems and solve them along the way and, and i'm not sure they're still quite there in terms of uh, having solved it because they're still trying to experiment with so many different things and um <clears throat> and just yesterday i took a session with uh, you know some of these postgrad design students who were similar to us just one hour session um mm-hmm. i said today what we'll do is uh try and identify products where either a feature that uh, most people are not aware exists or what its application is or you know, something that's not designed properly or uh, things like that you know? so so something that uh, come to my mind one a uh, couple of years back switch panels that we used to get right mm-hmm. uh, so even though the switches were rectangular narrow yeah uh, the panel itself this uh, the slots were square mm-hmm. which means uh it was tough to uh, assign switches and plugs the plugs used to be square switches were narrow so i actually have that problem with uh the one set in my kitchen where uh the right one is for the microwave left one is for the fridge mm-hmm. and both switches are in the center right <laughs> uh and the approach to that because you're passing the fridge is at a slight angle mm-hmm. so the tendency sometimes if you're in a hurry and you switch on the microwave or switch off uh you can accidentally switch off the fridge or something like that <laughs> so so tiny things are like that you know you start noticing a little more um so mm. another thing so recently i read this article about uh so this that was probably them the article was a little old probably from 2009 or uh, i mean 2019 or 20 a uh, us uh, faa had approved a, a, a design firm's middle seat design for airlines mm-hmm. so uh, what that company had done is uh, so middle seat is usually the most uncomfortable right on airplanes and usually they are the ones that you get allotted uh, what they did was they widened it by 3 inches mm-hmm. and the placement was slightly back and lower than the other two seats right and they felt that it would improve the middle seat passenger experience and for some reason if they approved um, i i went through i just happened to chance upon this and i was like something is wrong about this or off about this mm-hmm. so i went through their website i went through videos about it descriptions about it and all of that and then i've actually written a blog post on it uh you know listing out the concerns in terms of so one is uh, the average human being the back is not straight like a ruler right it it mm-hmm. bends it curves on the edges you know, your shoulders can yeah. round up here so uh, in the existing design even though the seats are narrow uh, let's say in forward and upright position for take off mm-hmm. and landing all of them are on the same line yeah so now what happens with the new design if you push the middle seat a few inches back mm-hmm. uh, and let's take up uh, so usually if you talk about let's say an obese passenger mm-hmm. right uh also the average height is usually going to be about let's say 5 3 5 4 mm-hmm. and we don't find uh fat people who are very short or whatever so usually the uh, passengers who may be a little more well built mm-hmm. are also likely to be of average height or more right so now if that person earlier you know had a flat plane across the three rows to sit 
now suddenly you push them slightly backward which means that they fold inward mm-hmm. because they have the other two seats pushing them in uh, at least during takeoff and landing mm-hmm. also since they've lowered the seat mm-hmm. uh, any average height person is then would probably have uh, apart from the lower back pain will also probably face uh, thigh or calf pain you know because the seat lowers and you don't get thigh support uh, up to your knee joint mm-hmm. for long periods of time uh, that strains your muscles you know so you, your legs experience strain yeah so i actually wrote this i mean i don't know what their response would be to this but uh, let's hope they find it useful you know yeah so again you know so many other examples come to mind one like tv remotes if you know mm. um, it's not something we pay too much attention to but then i'm sure there are remotes that we uh, subconsciously kind of prefer to other remotes mm-hmm. because how the layout is uh, the buttons kind of come naturally so we don't have to keep looking at the buttons to press we can operate them without looking mm-hmm. yeah uh, so it's not like we will explicitly mention this or recommend it to somebody but then maybe our choices in terms of uh, which dth provider to take might also be influenced partly by the experience we have which also includes uh, our experience in operating the remotes right uh, soap dispensers you know just tiny example uh, again you know, i probably have yeah one blog on this a uh, blog okay. post on this uh in those liquid soap dispensers right uh, so there was this one uh, restaurant a bar that i'd been to where uh just the, the button and then the body of the dispenser mm-hmm. uh for some reason you would assume that uh, this is just a press button and the soap dispenses from the body yeah uh but what i realized is it dispenses from that button itself you know from the tip like you you press here and then just below that it's dispensing soap from there okay um uh, so yeah you should tend to observe these things you know so that one soap dispenser was placed between two wash basins mm-hmm. so from either side if you reach out a uh, good chance soap is going to fall either <laughs> next to your hand or <laughs> and so maybe just a small design change there where mm-hmm. the button becomes uh, an inverted triangle to kind of uh, point out that you know the soap's going to come out from there uh, mm-hmm. would probably help uh, in not creating a mess uh, you could probably have people slipping and falling down there you know because the soap collects on the floor or whatever mm-hmm. like so, you yeah i mean so like now like you are giving examples i have also noticed some like uh, me and my friend whenever we go to some mm-hmm. restaurant any cafe uh, we don't look at menus at all because okay he's also a designer and he's working for the packaging of medicines so you can mm-hmm. imagine like his eyes like his eye he are oh, yeah. is having like eagle eyes okay because Absolutely. this is this is the size of like a strip and he has to exactly. work on this you know all the typography all the logo design of the company for he do he he has to fit everything in this particular size mm-hmm. this is the condition and uh, i'm also from the design field so whenever we we used to go to you know restaurants and cafe we used to look at the menus and we were pointing at this is the double space this is the triple space <laughs> and uh, this is not aligned properly uh, then we used to play, blame the designer and the restaurant owner because he has not looked so carefully and 
he's a layman that we can understand from the right, you know right, right. owner's point of view but being a designer how can someone type like triple double spaces or triple spaces and after some time we notice that each and every menu uh, not i'm not, not talking about the big 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 people they really do a great job in designing things they do uh, take care of minor details but you know going to the regular restaurants and it was like a bizarre and looking at the menus we were like okay let's just order a regular thing and we we'll leave <laughs> and also like uh, we never notice like why is the toothpaste cap we have to always you know uh, roll it and then press it and then only your toothpaste will be coming out so all thanks to the product designers who are working in this big industries there are so many examples that we even didn't notice oh, yeah. and it's because designers are working so hard to get things right done right so like you just mentioned about the soap i, I like the uh, soap dispenser i was having one example of i went to a restaurant okay restaurant side example coming more but okay uh, so they were having this similar kind of detol bottle it was not detol and when i pressed it was not coming down on my hand it was like going in some other direction and i was like what is this product design who is the designer <laughs> how much in money they have invested in the products and right now it's not uh, his it's a job is to you know pour the soap in my hand and it's like spreading all over the place so it, there are few things which is uh, which has been done right and there are few products which Absolutely. i would say not a good option also like i was going to uh, there's one problem with me after coming to the design field i'm uh, i'm becoming very choosy and observant so i was going you know uh, went to shopping for buy you know uh, 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 taps and other things all the equipments for the, my bathroom and i was like looking at this beautifully designed tap it was like yeah it was just i fall in love with that tap and i wanted it so yeah these are the examples of great design i was observing it very very uh, you know like how it is made what are the groovy groovy lines it is having who is the designer it was from the asian paints and who whoever okay. the designer will be i think he has done a very great job on this yeah I think, so I think it's it's a journey, right? Um, like we we never really reach, so we need to keep improving on hmm. uh, both. You know, the observing of existing designs, also the kind of designs that we create, mm-hmm. um, and with an increased uh, view, I think we need to become also a little more responsible about the solutions that we offer. In the sense, we've seen how. some damage has been done or so much damage has been done by solutions of the past you know so for example plastic once it came into uh, you know consumer use let's say the 1950s or thereabouts so back then they would have thought okay this is a great uh, option to have as a material you know plastic for consumer goods but then that's blown so much out of uh, size that now we're trying to figure out Uh, okay, how do we contain this mess that we have created because of plastic? So I think again, you know, as designers, design thinkers, it's also a responsibility to kind of make sure that uh, the solutions we create don't then start creating 
bigger problems than the problems that they yeah, solve yeah i think today. it's it's purely the designer's responsibility even if you are a fresher you are a bit level person or very experienced whatever you are doing observe things and always look always think like a consumer also once you are product of uh, once you have finished the product designing everything whether you are from the product design industry you are from the ui ux branding or any kind of industry think about the consumer perspective also whether he or she or they uh, will be liking this product or not this is very important after you have completed all the work and yeah i think our session is like becoming really productive and uh, we can go on and on but uh, we have to put an end to this and uh, you know this is the reason i have started with you because you are a gem from the design industry and uh, all your experience is like working at the cap venture capitalist um uh, actually be and then uh, you know working in the or the airline industry and other uh, industries so i think uh, people might be dreaming that why i am not <laughs> Mr Shutan <laughs> <laughs> So I think uh, thank you thanks a lot for uh, joining us you know uh, I think this is the best way to start my you know second season of Mount Cook Studio podcast I can't think of thank anything you. else right now because uh, it's a very good start for me you know starting with and interacting with yeah, you I think, I think it's I think it's design and you know the fun journey that it offers that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. thank you for the opportunity yeah yeah thank you thanks a lot okay fine bye take care thank you for joining me subscribe and learn more at mountwoods.com